that certainly didn't go to Gorquad on the left. Amble was so clever, so good. And Murphy is it. What a goal. What a blues. The young and the old together. The ground and there it is. Paulson, McGovern again. Oh, yes. This to give Carlton the lead. They're in front. The Blue Boys. Stopping and dropping. Bits gets in and the table here was gone. And you can put down the glasses. It's an amigo. It's an amigo for the finish it off. Kick it, Jeffrey. He does. Carlton are on their way to Sydney. G'day, Blue Baggers, and welcome to this week's edition of the Blues Footy Podcast. A very disappointing result today going down to the arch rivals with a goalless second half. It's your host, Jed Zetter, here alongside my co-host, Harrison Harmons. Bolt, talk to us about that and initial reactions after that dreadful second half, if I'm it's putting just, it lightly. It's just so disappointing. It really is. It, is. it was the biggest half of a lot of those players' footy, footy careers and the fact that we really, we shut ourselves. Um, there's no other way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, we just... Didn't turn up. It was lifeless. It was useless, really, after halftime. Mm. It's not good enough. And they're obviously not as good as I think they are. And I guess, you know, it's a bit of a reality check. Cause it was, it's against a side that are probably better than us, but they haven't been playing better than us. So it's just disappointing to be so significantly outplayed. Mm. Going into the match, being in better form than them, our best has been better than theirs. And at halftime, I was pretty bullish. I was pretty confident. I was thinking, gee, we're actually, you know... We're probably going to win this if we keep going the way we are, but yeah. And that third quarter, I thought we were brilliant first half of the third quarter. But I said it to you at the time. I said if we don't put goals on the board here, we'll get smacked. Yeah. Because Collingwood haven't had their run yet, and then when they got their run, they put goals on and we didn't. So and, yeah. I mean, that's that's what it came down to for mine in the second half when we had our opportunities, we had our ten minutes of dominance, we didn't hit the scoreboard at all, and it was always going to go pear-shaped after that, I thought. And it was just blatantly obvious, you know, how they were, you know, scoring. You know, they just threw the outside, they'd get a, an overlap kick onto the far wing. We just couldn't defend the entire ground as well as what we should have. It was just so frustrating. And, and I think today was probably one of the first matches this year where the siren's gone at the end of the match and I've gone, we really miss Charlie Kerno. Yeah. Like, that was... I mean, we obviously have missed him all year, but that match was one that I just... I just really thought that we could have done with Charlie and he would have had a massive impact because, tell you what, H, and I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of H because he's got he's got the makings to be something special. But what was going on in his head? He gets the ball, not long to go in the match. We're in desperate need of a goal. Probably, you know, next... We're on the canvas. Yeah, we're on the canvas. If they kick the next one, it's over. He gets the ball. He has space. He has options. And he just goes bang on the left boot. The most unrealistic kick you could imagine. Goes out on the full. Collingwood go down the other end. Goal. Game over. And I would like to hope within the four walls of the club, they pull H aside and go, that was not the team thing. That was a selfish kick, which ultimately cost us, didn't cost us the match because that doesn't come down to one moment, but it was a massive key factor in deciding the result of the match. Because when they kicked that goal, the floodgates opened. There were a couple of other moments. I thought there was a moment in the third quarter where Doherty forced a turnover, and then he was paddling the ball, and then Mackay just got in the way. He's just... It's footy IQ, and I speak about it all the time, and I'm, and I'm sorry. It might be harsh. I'm not saying he's a bad player, because he's as we've said, he's got the skill set. He's got a lot of things going his way, Mackay. But goodness gracious me, he makes me want to like just bang my head against a brick wall sometimes he really does mm, yeah. and, and and that's just in terms of just moments rather than him as a I don't mind him as a player but just in terms of moments it's just really frustrating and yeah that kick was shocking and he just he just I don't know he sometimes just doesn't impose himself as much as he should be on contests and I guess Casbolt didn't either today which was equally as frustrating well Casbolt's had a dirty day he zero did, involvement in the yeah, match he did have a very dirty day Casbolt I don't think I don't think the deconing Pinnanet partnership is doing him any favours. Probably not. Yeah, I think, you're I think right. Levi now, Levi likes, you know, you know, playing second. Roaming, yeah. He likes playing second fiddle in the right because Levi's actually really good around the ball. 
And yeah. it's interesting for such a big man, but he's really good around the ball. And now that he has to sort of wait for the ball to come to him, and he doesn't get that opportunity to actually get himself involved by playing in the middle, well, he's in some really, really average form. No, he big is. Levi. He is. And it's just, and look, it's, I, I know it's going to happen because he's, you know, he's having a pretty good year, Casbolt. Don't he's having a great two years, don't get me wrong. But it's just yeah, we just needed him to impose himself in, you know, thirty out from goal. And yeah. he just and you know, Darcy Moore after half time was just chopping everything off. Darcy Rough Moore Rough was taking intercepts, Maynard. As you know, in Darcy Moore pulled our pants down. He's a very good player. They got a they got a brilliant backline. They really do. Quainer played well. Quainer was really good. He was Maynard and Crisp were very good as well. Yeah, and, and their I mean, back six was well on top. Yeah, it was. It was, and that's really all that needs to be said. Our, our big forwards didn't fire, and at the end of the day, it's probably what cost us. I thought our midfield was smacked as well in the second half at, at, yeah, t- at times. Yeah, yeah, at uh, time. def- Definitely on the outside, we got smashed. Yeah, and I mean, what's going on with our captains? What, what's happening? I thought that was probably Cripps' worst performance of the year. Doherty as well. I just what's, what's I don't know going if it was on? Cripps' worst performance of the year. He just didn't come out well, like we thought which, he would. Which games he been worse in? Probably um, was it St Kilda? I was yeah, thinking. I don't prob- know. I mean, you could argue St Kilda. Even I, maybe I, North Melbourne. I think there were two moments in today's game where I just shook my head and thought that's not something a captain does. And one of them was when Jack Martin's lining up fifty out, not long left on the clock before half time, or was it quarters? I can't even. Three quarter time. Three quarter yeah. time. Sorry. And everyone, the whole team's pointing, take a shot, take a shot, because they know Martin's a good kick. And the one man who called for it was Cripps. And it was just such a silly thing to Does do. Does Martin was... have to wear something? I like, just don't do it, though. Like, do you, like, do you know as in, mean? Martin has to take responsibility for that as well, 100%. But why is Cripps calling for it? Oh, no, I'm not sure. As in, yeah, it, it was very frustrating. I think I thought Cripps was pretty good. At the cold face, to be honest, he's so hard at it. But it just look. I think he could have easily had an Ed Kerno type of game today, Cripps. But, but for Kerno, me, for me, Doherty is distressing coming out of the back line at the moment. As in Doherty can't hit a target. I don't find him that reliable, and I haven't. Nah, and anymore. I've said it for a while. I said, no, nah, not anymore. What, after what game was it? I think it was after the. It was after either North Melbourne or Hawthorne. I said his form genuinely warrants mm. reserves footy. And it doesn't because he played really well last week. But I'm, it's just, you know, he was the cause of their first goal coming out. Yeah. There were a couple of errant kicks in the last quarter when we had, when they kept kicking behinds and we kept having the kickouts. Mm. It, it's just very frustrating. But, you know, we've got to move on. We've got a game Thursday night, which hopefully, we'll, that will, if we lose, that'll be the nail in our coffin. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm just disappointed. I think everyone is because well, we'll at half at three quarter time. Well, I mean, at half time, going into the second half, you know, we've got an eight point lead or whatever it was, and we've probably had our worst half of the year, goalless half. Shocking. So disappointing. And it didn't feel like that in the third quarter. Cause I, it we, didn't because the first ten minutes of the third quarter were pretty good. Oh, we dominated, dominated, but didn't hit the scoreboard. We had no. We we dominated for ten minutes, but gained zero ground from that dominance. Yeah, I know. Betts probably had to nail that set shot where he got the fifty. Betts needed to nail the set shot. I thought oh. there was a moment where was it Gibbons ran in and didn't take a shot. I don't know. It was a lot going. I on. know. I let's will, yeah. let's bring in our guest because he's probably yeah. got a lot to weigh in on this conversation. Well, blue baggers, it's time now to introduce our very special guest on the show this week. He's. An avid, diehard blue bagger. We love him. He's one of the very special members of the Carlton Cheer Squad, the best cheer squad in the league. Nick Wishart, welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, gents. This is a very nice intro. I, I, I'm very happy to hear things like that. I like it. Nick, very it's, good. It's great to have you here. It's great to have you on the show. And I mean, the first thing we need to ask is usually what we ask our guests. What are your initial thoughts after that match? Oh, gosh. Um, look, I think Carlton fans have got a pretty good reason to feel pretty upset tonight following that game. I went into this week very confident of a win. Um, I've been saying for about a fortnight or maybe two or three weeks that Collingwood were primed for the picking. They were there to be beaten. We were kind of just doing enough, but the Gold Coast game, we didn't do a hell of a lot wrong, and it filled us with a lot of confidence. And I think we all got a bit ahead of ourselves this week. Yeah, not only the fan base, but we had the president, the captain, or one of the captains, Cripps, 
and our coach all midweek coming out talking and saying the word finals and talking about you know how it's going to be nice to be in the mix again and how we've got a great belief amongst the playing group and I just wish we could have kept some focus for once and uh, kept the eye on the prize and you know this will sound horrible but even if we had to get enrolled by GWS next week fans would have taken it a lot better than a performance like that against our, our oldest and biggest rival, Collingwood. Yeah, no, I'd, I definitely agree with that. And I just think, look, I don't mind them embracing the, the hype around Carlton being in the mix because we hadn't been in the mix for so long. Yep. If you ask the question, I don't mind them, you know, rather than just giving straight-up robotic answers. But, yeah, for me, it's just... Uh, it's just disappointing that this was the biggest game in so many of these players' careers. And the fact that we just really didn't turn up after halftime when we're in a great position is annoying. But for me, as in during the week, I started the week fairly confident. And for some reason, it was just one of those things where the closer the game got, the more uncomfortable I got with the match. I'm not sure why. I don't think the, t- the team changes didn't help me, but it was just frustrating. Yeah. I can I can empathise with that. Um, you only had to take one look at social media. It wasn't just Twitter; it was all over. Everyone today saying, "Oh, we're just we're feeling nervous, we're feeling anxious." You know, we had people talking about. You know, literally, I saw two or three different people talking on Twitter about taking a nervous poo today. <laughs> and when and when we got stuff like that coming out, I think we all kind of just felt oh, we gotten ahead of ourselves. Are we? You know, um, are we where we think we are? Yeah. Or are we going to have to wait another year? And it looks now that, we're, and barring a miracle, we're going to have to wait another year. Oh, yeah, look. And I think if you would have said at the start of the year that playing finals would be the benchmark, I think I would, I would have laughed in your face, really. But I, I think the fact that we've put ourselves in this position is testament to the rapid development. Because I think we do have to remember, we finished third bottom last year. And I think if, if we do finish the year on 8 and 9, which let's say is the equivalent of, what, a 10 and 12 season in a regular yeah, year, yeah. I, you would have taken that any day of the week. Yeah. Look, at the start of the year, I probably said uh, we got seven wins last year, and yes, that's probably a hard number to judge because of how well Teague had us finishing the year. We were running yep. on top of the ground by the end of the year. Yep. So it was really hard to tell. It was, are we the team that was 1-10 or 1-11 under Bolton, or are we the team that won seven of the last 10 under, or whatever it was under Teague? It was really hard to judge where we were at. So I kind of said, well, seven wins last year, this year, I set ourselves a target of nine. Um, and then when they shortened the season again, I kind of retracted that back to eight. Um, and that was, you know, round two. When we played Melbourne, I said eight wins or so. We're on six. Well, you'd probably think eight's probably about the number now. So yeah. in hindsight, my expectations for the year are probably being met. And we've been pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it, it's... I know, it's, it doesn't take away from the frustration. When you get a taste of the success, yeah. you know, you get a taste of the honey, well, I want the whole beehive. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're getting, we are, we're getting impatient now, but we've really, we are actually so close finally. And I think that's why we're a bit gutted tonight, because we're kind of looking at it, you know, I think we, we, we scoreless, a goalless, sorry, in the last half, but so many players who in that first half, I thought, looked really good, and I thought, gee, they're coming on, they're starting to show a bit, and then just, barely sighted in the last half at all mm. um, and that's kind of you know I'll, I'll give him a free kick one one let off today but um, yeah I think it's a bit it's at least for the next couple of weeks you know it's uh, who can we see what they've got you know if there's a handful of people playing for their career okay well we've now got a month to really give them their one last crack for some of them or in the likes of a, whether it's a honey or a filth or a these sort of kids, okay, let's, you know, let's start to get a couple of games into them to hold them in just good stead for next year. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I'd i like to ask you both, what were your thoughts? We'll start off with Cam Paulson. Nick, we'll start off with you. What were your thoughts on Paulson today? Would you keep him in the side and give him another crack? Or do you think that possibly, you know, going into a match against GWS where if we lose, we almost mathematically won't be able to make it, do you just you know, replace him with someone else. What are you doing? Uh, well, we uh, even though I've just said we've got to see these guys, can they sink or swim now? Um, I haven't been Team Paulson thus far. Based on tonight's performance, I thought his first half wasn't bad. He, he had one or two. There was one kick he did inboard, which nearly led to the deconning goal, or would have been a goal with your Chinese chopped arm swat on halftime. It was yep. a beautiful kick inboard. And that little kick made me go, gee, this bloke, you know, maybe there is... I heard um, Dale Amos on your show uh, during the week or last week 
talking about what Paulson has done at the lower level, and it sold me on the, him getting selected at least. Yeah. Um, but if it's a like-for-like, like, him or Petrovsky seaton I think Petrovsky seaton has got more to offer our club moving forward. So if Samo did get managed or arrested, as we're told he was, yeah. um, then he would come straight back in for me after, that, after Paulson. I, I think second half he might have had one or two touches, and I don't know his direct matchup, but a lot of Collingwood Smalls, Josh Thomas was one of them. He played David on Thomas. Was, yeah, and Thomas I thought was outstanding. So based on that... You know, going back to Dale Amos on your show as well, he said that the back six and how they've structured up and, you know, there's been real continuity of them playing games together. And I don't know, did we tinker with that at the wrong time, maybe trying to change a few things up that weren't necessarily broken? I don't know. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, it's a very good it's a very good call. I, I'm sort of on the fence with Paulson because I thought his first half was good, particularly his first quarter I liked. I know he conceded a couple early goals, but he was actually... I thought he tackled well. I thought he stuck to Thomas quite closely. But, I mean, that second half, he just was nowhere to be seen. He was unsighted, Paulson. I didn't know where he was playing. I didn't know who he was on. I didn't really see him at all. For me, with Paulson, the, the, thing, I, the thing I did like about Paulson, though, was I guess he did have that intent every time he did get the ball to kind of play on at the first opportunity and attack through the middle because that was obviously the you know instructions for him yeah. just to play with a bit of dare and give us a point of difference coming out of the back line but I just think he maybe did over compromise a little bit of points but I I, I didn't think it was horrible no it I, wasn't it I, wasn't. I, I actually reckon he'll hold his spot I, I, I'd be pretty surprised actually if they pulled the pin after one week on that to be honest yeah I'm- Higgs had a pretty decent uh, track record recently of when they back someone in, they give them a couple. So Callum Moore is an example. The first game was pretty ordinary, but they said, okay, we're going to give you one more crack sort of thing, giving them one or more than one game to see as their sample size. So he may hold his spot based on, you know, priors. I can't think of many players that have kind of been one and done recently. Yeah. Um, Or Honey, did he play more than one? No, he played the one. I think Philp and Honey were the two that were one and done. Yeah, well, Philp was one and then he was the late in for the second game. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Look, yeah, I I feel that if they're going to try and salvage a career, then he probably needs another one. But, as we're saying, if it's a direct... Comparison: If it's him or Petrovsky's seat, and we're going to choose between, then Samo gets my nod. Um, there was just one or two moments in the second half, especially where, as they did the wider camera view, that you could just see. And he, again, he was far from on his own in this. But I just saw Paulson kind of maybe getting stuck between the lines a bit and caught mm. in no man's land a handful of times. Um, and again, that would come back to continuity of games. If you haven't been at that level for a long time, it's possibly hard to keep up with the pace for so long. But there's no really not to make excuses for the guy, but yeah, I just thought he kind of got lost a fair bit in the second half. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The other inclusion this week was Paddy Dow, his first match since round one. Nick, what were your thoughts on his performance, and was that was that an improved Dow compared to what we saw, particularly in the second half of last year and in round one, where he just didn't have much of an impact? I thought that I wouldn't say he had a great game, but I liked his effort. I thought he, I, I wouldn't have a clue of the numbers. I should have it in front of me and stuff, but I thought he, his intent, especially early, looked good. I'm a fan of the haircut. It kind of, he's come to footy. He's like he's come to dressed for the job he wants, sort of yeah. thing. But he had, look, the one knock on Paddy now hasn't necessarily been his clearance work or anything, but it's been, you know, the, the finishing. It's that last kick inside 50, it's the turnovers, things like that. And off the top of my head, I can't think of many examples where he kind of butchered it today. So he was, you know, there were very, he wasn't, there was only a few players who I thought were very good and he wasn't amongst them, but he was far from our worst today. Yeah, no, um, yeah. No, I, I'm, I reckon I'm on the same page because look, I am a bit of a Paddy Dow knocker at the best of times. And I think, yeah. I, I don't think he did much wrong. I'll put it that way with Dow. Sure. Um, I thought he got his body in the way in really good spots, but um. His dis- look, his disposal's obviously been his biggest downfall in the first in the early part of his career, and that probably wasn't the issue today. Yeah, I thought his intent was alright. Yeah, there was a handful of contested handballs and stuff. He was willing to put his head over it a handful of times, and again for a for a bloke who's kind of had to come back and earn his way back from the twos, it was far from the sort of energy we saw Zach Fisher return to the side with. But I don't think he disgraced himself by any means. I think he would be someone who would definitely be giving his spot 
for next week. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to hope so. I'd like to see more of him because, I mean, it would be huge for his development if he can string some games together and actually start having an impact at the level. The only thing I'd like to ask more from him is his tackling. I just... I feel like there were you a lot a of... couple go. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of moments where he could have got his hands dirty and just thought, nah, I'll leave it for someone else to do. And one of them in particular, I think it was his direct opponent at the time got out the back. Dow was a foot away. Dow could have taken a step and tackled him, but just didn't even bother, and it led to a Collingwood goal. I know it was pretty late in the match, but just little things like that. I mean, I'd li- I would have liked to have seen the desperation and the hunger from Dow. I didn't really see it, but, yeah, I mean, his disposal is much tidier than we've seen in the last 12 months for him, so I guess that's a, that's probably a plus. Yeah, We seem to be corralling Collingwood players quite a lot. It was trying to, you know... Right, there was perceived pressure rather than yeah. actual attack the man sort of thing. It's easy to say it against guys like Pendlebury because it's impossible to tackle guys like him. He just seems to find that time and space. But uh, there was guys like Dacos. How many times oh. did he find himself out the back yeah. uncontested? I and he just killed us. Out of, yeah, they were walking out of contest, these guys. And I thought, but they, you know, all it takes is rather than someone kind of throwing their hands sidewards and, you know, pretending to, oh, hey, I'm going to put you off your kick. Run at the guy and hit him. You yeah, know, that's kind yeah. of what I would. And that's not again, not just Paddy Dow. There was senior players, and that was for four quarters as well. Even when we were on top, I kind of thought we just held off them a bit. It was a bit bruise free for a, for a bit of times. So yeah. Yeah, I, I look. I definitely noticed the, the day cost factor on that yeah. wing. There was a lot of congestion today, and they would just always leave one or two spares on the fat side of the ground and back themselves in to to extract the footy, and they'd be out. And we just couldn't... Def- there were just too many uncontested possessions coming there. Well, uncontested possessions coming in dangerous areas. And it happened too often. And I just think... Yeah, it was very frustrating. That was frustrating. We just didn't defend the ground well enough. We probably committed a few too many numbers going forward. But it was... Look, they they were coached really well today, I, Collingwood. I, I feel like we say the same thing every week, though. How we commit too many numbers ahead I know, of the ball. It, we, and we do, though. It's just the reality. We do. Well, second half, we just seemed to give them the corridor as well. There yeah. Was so many, it, was, it wasn't just Dacos, but it was Quainer, and I thought that Noble, they just kept finding space in the guts, and they were having, you know, uncontested possessions as their kick inside 50. Our kicking inside, our delivery inside 50 was atrocious tonight, but they just seemed to have these uncontested efforts leading to those forwards, and, you know, if we're making guys like Mason Cox look like good footballers, then we're in a bit of trouble. You know, he, he's... I think he only took two or three marks, but the way that they were able to kick it to him makes him look better than he is. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, certainly. Exactly. Nick, we're going to rate Teague. Yeah. If you if you had to give him a rating out of 10 today, what would it be? And what was something that he did well and something that he could have done better? Um, I thought, well, if it's out of 10, we've, we've lost, and I thought he was our coach, so I'd, I'd give him a, a, probably at most a five or so, because for me, if I'm going to give a positive... Uh, review it means that if you know we've come out on top, and I don't think he came out on top at all. I thought we we're pretty reactionary. You know, we yes. mentioned how many times did guys like Dacos and these sort of guys get the space. I thought it took a bit of time for us to get um, someone to go to Jamie Elliott and to go to um, Thomas. So I thought we were kind of playing catch up in that regard a bit. Um, the two Ruckman, I didn't mind that sort of tactic, and that's been one we've gone with for a couple of weeks now. Um, so I thought that that early on, having that extra tall who was kind of playing as as a you know as a forward when they're resting, um, early on I thought it actually was reaping a few rewards. We were able to bring the ball to ground for guys like Eddie because we had the extra tall up there, and that was kind of proving difficult for guys like Darcy Moore to get those intercept possessions and Maynard and all these guys who like to you know play a bit loose and free. So early on, I thought that was actually a really good thing. But once they got on top, rebanding from their defensive 50, I just don't think, again, it could be the players not adhering to direction, but I just don't think there was really a plan B for our forward structure and especially the delivery inside 50. But when the ball did get in there, it just seemed to come straight back out. So that was Mm -hmm. a bit of a, a poor one for me. But the first half, I thought, you know, they seemed to have a bit of structure with the tools, but it kind of went out quickly. Now, you touched on the element of playing two Ruckman. What were your thoughts on Tom DeConning today? Because I actually think 
he's coming together really nicely. And I, I, I see a play there. Are you on the same page, or do you think maybe he needs a bit more time to develop? No, absolutely. I think his spot has to stay in the seniors for at least the rest of this year. Um, the cheer squad's very, very proud to be saying we're player sponsors of Tom DeConning. Um, we like that. We love that. We love that. And from the first time that he came to the club sort of thing, um, look, for those of us who are the types to go to the, to go to Preston or go to Princess Park and watch the reserves when we've been able to, you know, the last two years, we've seen glimpses. And it's the sort of kid, did he hurt himself at the start of last year? I think it was the day we played Richmond round one in the, in the AFL, yes. it was like a BFL practice match. Yep. And he hurt his knee early in that game. But up until half time, he had like four or five marks and was looking really good at Punt Road. And I remember at half time was about the time when we kind of went to the ground to set up the banner and do all that sort of stuff as a cheer squad. And I remember walking over telling everybody, gee, this kid looks good. He's got all the signs. He's playing in the rock. He was tailing. I'm pretty sure it might have been Menkevis he was playing on. He was just tailing him up. And then all of a sudden, sure enough, he hurts himself and just got stunted a bit. I think we would have seen him being played a lot more last year had yeah. he been um, you know we ended up having Casbolt play a handful of games in the ruck I think that would have been um, Tommy's goal last year but absolutely look the the, the raw talent that's there um, but he seems to be making a few smarter decisions um, he took a couple of marks today which we hadn't really seen from him recently um, but oh gee look he's the sort of kid who's going to play you know, 150 plus games for us, it seems, at this stage. So there's just so much to work with as an athlete. And again, like so many of them, the more you play them, the better they'll get. No, I agree. I actually can see a player in Tom DeConing as well. I think he's, it's, it's, and once again, it probably is more glimpses in a full game. But sure. I think, you know, someone that size, and he still is pretty raw. But yeah. I, and I, I, I just love that. You know, when he was actually rucking around the ground today, that he was actually making Grundy, you know, worried about what's De Koning going to do. Yeah. I think he was, he was, you know, he was actually, um, what's the word, like dictating, you know, how those stoppages are working, which I loved. And and I think with Tom De Koning, I think he's one hundred percent the man you want at the centre bounce instead of Kidanet. Yeah, he's got that vertical leap as well. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's. He's a ripper, I think. He's going to be a really good player and, for a really you know, long time and, and, for us. and eventually, down the track, he's going to start clunking them 40 out from goal. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to go, you know, be going both ways to Coney. He's, he's going to be a goal-kicking ruckman. Yeah, he'll be one of those guys that drags his ruckman. You know, like, imagine having a Goldstein playing out of the goal square, you know, just dragging in, ruckman into uncomfortable positions. As in, which, when was the last time there was a really good goal-kicking ruckman in the competition? Yeah, um... I think he's extremely unique. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I can compare him to anyone because he does go forward. Maybe like David Hale. I don't know. Uh, literally, the name I was about to say. He was kind of Hale was the one yeah. for me. That, and, and Hale never seemed to miss a set shot. For no, the, for what it's worth. But he was probably the last one for me that would really yeah rest forward and be very dangerous when they went up there. Yeah. No, I agree, and I, and I guess he had the luxury of being able to do that with either Max Bailey or Ben McAvoy. And that's maybe what we see, maybe with a, you know, Cruiser deconing, you know, Pitonet deconing going forward. I'm not 100% mm. sure, but I, I, I'm i of the belief that when McGovern comes back, that it probably is at the expense of Pitonet, and then we rotate deconing and Casbolt mm. through the middle. Yeah, I do agree. Bolt, right, Teague today. What could yeah, he have done uh, better, and what did he do well? I'm going to say four. It's just, you know, regular, what I've been going on about all year. We... We do struggle to defend teams through the middle. We just we, we get exposed through the corridor. It's as simple as that. But and, and look, we expose teams through the corridor as well. Don't get me wrong. We look really good. Like there was some really. I think the Harry Mackay goal early in the second quarter was one of the most beautiful. You know, chains. That, yeah, it was amazing. Just from the back pocket up to him. But yeah, now nah, for me, we just and you could see it so early on because I even at quarter time I thought we were pretty outplayed in the first quarter. To be honest, I know we're only a couple points down. I agree. The writing was on the wall early a little bit, and I was kind of waiting for Collingwood to get a run on, and then we got a little bit of a run on, and I thought, mm, you know, this is you got to go. We had to go early in the third quarter if we're going to win the game. Yeah. The yeah. scoring had to come in the third quarter, early in the yeah, third. To start the third quarter, was it? Or two yep. or three points we started the quarter with? And yeah, just yeah exactly. Yeah, it was just a fr- just very frustrating. I don't think he's... Look, I, I like David Teague as a coach, but I just think there are a little... Th- look, it's an inexperienced coach with an inexperienced team at the end of the day, so... It is. Yeah. It is. I'm going to give Teague... Oh, stiff. I'm going to give him a four as well. I just thought that 
Whilst the players have to own some responsibility, I think that Teague does as well. Not sure he put us in the best position to win that match at three-quarter time because it was evident in that fourth quarter we just got smacked all around the ground. So, I mean, he's obviously been out-coached there. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give him a positive rating after a loss like that. There was just nothing. from Even from the very first disposal of the fourth quarter, it, there was nothing from Carlton. Mm. It, we gave a free kick up to straight away, didn't yes, we? Yes, yes, we right? did. We and did. Um, just take, deflate whatever air may have been put into you at three-quarter time just gets taken out straight away with a free kick like that. Exactly. Yeah, it does. Now, we're going to rate the players. Nick, do you want to go first? Who are your top three today, and what are you rating them out of ten? Okay, for me, I thought our best was Sam Walsh. Um, especially early, I thought he was sensational. Um, like everyone, they slowed down as the game went on, but I thought Walsh, he's strung a month of really, really good footy together now. Yeah. Um, so if I have to rate him out of ten, I can't exactly be giving uh, nines and eight, uh, nines and tens in a game that we've lost. But I'd be giving him at least a seven and a half out of ten tonight, um, possibly an eight. I'll go an eight just to be nice because I love him. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I'm the same. And Ty, look, I, I'm, to be honest, guys, I'm really struggling from the rest of the side. So I'd, I'd probably giving Setterfield probably a next best at about a seven out of ten. Did his job again. Um, I thought he was one, and when the contested ball was there to be one, he was there about all day. Um, his defensive work needed a bit of uh, more effort. I would have liked to see a bit more from him. So I'd probably give him about a seven, but he's one of the guys that I found kind of when we said the ball went back the other way, he kind of got stuck in between the lines a few times. Yeah. Um, and the one vote, yeah, it's a struggle. Um so I thought their midfield got a hold of us, so it's struggling for me to pick another midfielder. Like, Ed Kerno was all right, I guess. Um, oh, actually, no, I'm taking this all back. Um, I thought Jacob Weddon was pretty good. I'll probably yep. give him the, the next one. So give him about a 7 out of 10 again. Um, just competed all day. When he went down, gee, I'm sure you both had your heart in your mouth as well. Yeah. Like, I feared the worst when, he, when they said he went off. Um, but he came back in the next two contests. He won with massive spoils and showed intent to... You know, whack the ball forward to advantage as well a lot of the game. So I thought he was pretty damn good weedering. So a, give him a seven as well. He's a super player. And I think, you know, he spent most of the afternoon on Darcy Cameron, who I think had one handball for the entire game. So yeah, he, he made him, you know, he. He, he's not a great player anyway, Darcy Cameron. No. But he's totally ineffectual anyway, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page with you, Nick, to be honest. I thought, I actually thought Ed Kerno was. I actually thought Ed Kerno played really well today. And I thought Walsh features in my votes. And then I had Setterfield as well. And I know they were the three midfielders, but I thought the midfield... I just thought, you know, around the contest, we we still were... We we were hard at it. As in, it was the first 10, 15 minutes of that third quarter was as hard and brutal footy as you'll see. And it would have been awesome if we did put that on the scoreboard. But I also thought Eddie Betts had a really good game up until maybe about midway through the third quarter as well. I, thought, I actually thought Eddie was even a bit of a live wire in the last quarter when no one else was. I thought Betts played pretty well um, today. He couldn't. He actually he couldn't. He really couldn't have done much more up until no, half time. He couldn't have. And I mean, there was probably one one instance. The you know the set shot he could have kicked a goal. But yeah. you know, I'm not. I'm not looking at that game and going Eddie didn't play well. I think he played really well. Yeah, same. My top three. Very interesting. I'm. I've got a bit of a different one to you guys. So I thought Ed Kerno was the best player on the ground. I I have him and Sam Walsh probably is you know the best two. They're hard to separate, but yeah. how I'm good just, is Walsh? He's oh, oh god, Sam Walsh. There's actually nothing he can't do. That's the thing. Each game, there's something new he shows us. Like yeah. there was one game late last year where we played Geelong at, at Cadenia Park, yeah. and he one on one outmarked in a one on one contest, outmarked Dangerfield, and just kind of like threw him off the ball. And I thought, well. You know, if he's marking out, marking Dangerfield above his head in his first year, you know, there's this... he got so many strings to the bow, this kid. Mm. And I mean, I know we've got a lot of kids listening. Kids, block your ears. Sam Walsh, he's taking the piss. That's how good he is. He's... It annoys me when the commentators say that, you know... He's like kind of on Bailey Smith's tail. Oh, come As in, on. like, Sam Walsh has clearly set the standard from that draft class. Like, clearly, over the first 40 games or whatever, how many games they've played? What it's is not it, 35? Close. It's not close. It's, oh. Other than Joel Selwood, I can't think of a better first 40 games. 
Yep, and that's fair. I that's fair. Bellwood had a premiership, and that so it's inflated. But you know, I can't remember someone bursting on the scene with this much just I, genuine quality and class. If he was playing in a side that was any better than us, you know, if he was playing remotely close to finals and stuff last year, they'd be putting him in that sort of category. Absolutely, absolutely. So he was amongst the best with Ed Kerner. I actually have Zach Fisher as our third best player on the ground today. I I thought he was lively. He sold candy on so many occasions today. And, it was one on the wing that was beautiful. Yeah, and in the forward line as well where he kicked the goal. He's, I, th- I thought he was brilliant. And he's one who, when he came back into the side, we weren't too sure about because he wasn't particularly impressive last year. But I tell you what, three of the four games that he's played since returning to the team have just been all we can ask for him, I think. He's been outstanding. So... Zach Fisher was third best on ground for mine. I'm going to give Ed Kerno probably an eight. I'll give Walsh an eight, and I'll give Fisher a seven. So, and and I'll probably have Setterfield on a seven as well. But I thought Fisher was slightly better. So he's so dangerous around goals. Yeah, Fisher. I, I just think I just think going forward, Zach Fisher is going to be one of our best players, one of our most exciting players, I should say, because he's still so young. We forget. I mean, he's been around for a while now, but he's what twenty two. 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 20, our age. Yeah, yeah. 21. 22, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, Zach Fisher for mine, super exciting. And I'm so happy he's back into the team because, there were, you know, there were worrying signs. He wasn't getting a game. Were we maybe going to, you know, offload him at the end of the year? There were a lot of whispers maybe back to WA. Well, I'd be, I'd be absolutely shattered if he were to go back home. I think we need to lock him away. With a lengthy you, deal, going to go back home. We want, we'd want something really, really good coming back our way. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even want a first round pick from this year's yeah, draft. I would want to be an established, very good player. I'd be yeah. saying, but no, I don't think that you know either of those teams are going to be willing to part with anything extravagant for it. So I really hope that he is going to be staying. Look, we said before about you know Teague. Um, I really enjoyed that Teague kind of put the fire under uh, Zach when he was in the twos. It's been pretty well documented that you know he told him, well, you want to play midfield minutes, we want you to play a role. We need you to do this for the team. This is where we see you're playing right now. The midfield yep. minutes will come. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw, I was on um, Carlton Live earlier in the week saying this, but um, I can categorically tell you that Fish wasn't happy about playing forward. Um, yep. We had our cheer squad, we have a cheer squad breakfast every year with the players. That's part of, you know, one of the perks we get. And um, on our table was Setterfield and Zach Fisher. And that game was just after we played Melbourne at the G and it fell short. But we kind of played a really interesting forward line of real all smalls. It was Fisher, Kennedy, Silvani. Uh, a couple of Silvani. I think DeLuca even played a couple of minutes forward and kicked a goal. So Forgot about him. <laughs> I kind of said to both of the guys, I said, well, you know, you've got a new role playing as you know, mid-forward, so and you're enjoying that. And Fish straight out said, no, nah, I don't want, I don't like it. I want to be a midfielder. I want. I am a midfielder. And I, at the time, I actually quite liked it because I thought, well, he's fighting for what he wants to do and he wants to be where the ball is and everything. But Teague, obviously, and all of the coaches, obviously said, well, we need you to do something different. But he's owned that and he's taken that on board and, and really bought in. And it's not just Jack Fisher. There's a handful of guys who may have to, you know, add extra facets to their game if they want to get a spot in that 22 because competition for places is hotting up so I'm really rapt to see someone like Zach Fisher coming back and the intensity he's come back with has been amazing I agree because I thought I thought as in the only way I can put it you know his back end of 2019 was he went missing and I think the fact that he doesn't I think I love the fact about Zach Fisher that for him to play a good game he doesn't necessarily need the ball I just think that these you know his presence he just he, 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 as an opposition fan, I'd find him annoying. It's contagious as well. Yeah. Because when he's, you know, when the ball's going towards Fisher, the whole team sort of lifts because they know something's going to happen. They know he's going to be doing something special. He's going to get the ball moving. They all lift. It's it's contagious. And I think players like that are very hard to come by. And we know Eddie's a bit like that. And I think Fisher... Yep, Jack Martin, one hundred percent, and I think Fisher and Martin complement each other a fair bit. They oh, do. They do. I, was, I actually said during I think the second quarter, I said, you know who would love to play in this team at the moment? Like someone like Jeff Garlett would like just he'd be awesome in a team like that. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's do the bottom three. We haven't done it in a couple of weeks because we've been really good, and 
I mean, not that we weren't really good today. We probably weren't, but we've got to, it's, it's a week where we've got to give players a nudge. Coming yep. up against the Giants, Nick, do you want to kick us off? Did you have a bottom three today? Uh, yeah, so two of them, uh, off before we started recording, we discussed a handful of them, but... Uh, for me, uh, Levi Casbolt offered us absolutely nothing today, yeah. and that's disappointing because he has been pretty consistent, at least good for a goal a game sort of thing all year. Yeah. Um, so he ended up with uh, four marks for the game. Three of them were at half back, and three all three of those kind of ended up with junk kicks, either sidewards or turnover kicks or whatever. Um, just offered us absolutely nothing. And even if he was crushing packs and bringing the ball to ground, he doesn't have to take ten marks and kick four goals. Just compete, and I just thought he—he he almost looked not even tired. Just almost, dare I say it, disinterested today. He just wasn't up for the fight. Um, Harry Mackay uh, didn't mind the goal early because he shanked a few of those sort of kicks recently, uh, sprayed him across goal. I didn't mind the goal early, but again, no real presence. Did he take a mark? If he did, I, I missed it. Um, he might have taken it for that yeah, shot. Yep. Um, and for the next one, it, you can pick a handful for the next one because they're probably not as bad. But I'd say any one of the, you know, the Paulsons. I thought Plowman was pretty ordinary today. Yeah, I've same. really liked him recently, but got beaten. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Look, it's hard to, to aim fire at guys, but uh, Paddy Cripps, again, just okay, I must say. I wouldn't necessarily put bottom three, but did nothing to make me really think he was ready to stand up and mm. take the game with a scruff of the neck, which is what we kind of come to expect from him. So, mm. Yeah, yeah Cripps was a bit of a letdown today. I'm on the same page as you, though, Nick. I think Casbold and Mackay, for me, were the two... Were, we just needed more, really. And Darcy Moore ended up dominating the airwaves later on. We just needed more. And, yep. yeah, well, literally, we needed more. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and by Darcy Moore, I mean. And... Um, Oh look, and the third could I think I'm going to do it as a collective as well. The me, our medium and small defenders probably got beaten for the first time in a while. I yep. thought it was down days for Simpson, Williamson, Plowman. I don't think can, they got the better of their direct opponents. Can to I be, be honest. honest though? Yeah, I actually thought Williamson was really good today. Really, I think Williamson. And I didn't mind Willow. Yeah, oh, I, I, I just think as a collective though, Thomas Stevenson and um, you know those guys would just. No, clearly they, on top of no, us. No, they clearly beat us. And I know Paulson was, you know, going... They were all going through each other for a bit, but I don't know. I just think as a collective, it wasn't great. Mm. And they... Th- th- those... And even Jamie Elliott through the middle, but those small, medium forwards at Collingwood always, always do this yeah, to every us. Every year. Last year it was to go. It only took yeah. five minutes. There was a year um, when Josh Thomas kicked five against us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they they always do it. Those guys at Collingwood. It's a bit frustrating, but yeah, I, I I just think as a collective, because look, up until three quarter time, we always had twenty two pretty solid contributors. But yeah. it's yeah, it's just annoying. Yeah, you know, Gibbons didn't do a heap. I thought not Gib- a heap. Gibbons, he wasn't bottom three, but not a heap. Gibbons didn't do a heap, but he still had what fifteen touches. I, I don't think he. Yeah. I don't think he was necessarily bad. I think he did the most with what he was... No, I agree. I, I don't think he could have done much more if they're not giving him midfield minutes. He's playing on yeah. the flank. The ball didn't go there a heap, so I think he you know, did what he could. But, yeah, I think you guys have summed it up well. I'm not going to really add any more names. Yeah. I think you've covered them all. But I think the main one for mine was Harry McCarr. Just like to see him come back from Just that game. smart. And, and you know what? Going into today, I knew Darcy Moore was going to be a genuine issue for us and and the one for mine who I really wanted to you know step up and intercept in the forward line was McKay and he just didn't do it yeah it's frustrating it is it is now predictions for for not even next week for midweek we've got the Giants on Thursday night a four day turnaround very quick turnaround for our boys might Uh, suit us Nick do you think there'll be any changes if so what are they going to be um well, I'll, I'll go straight up and say if they actually have rested, like they told us that Petrescu and Cottrell were rested, I think Samo comes back in for Paulson for one. Um, from there, I don't necessarily see who else is necessarily um, fit and ready and firing now, unless they're going to make this the game they start resting players. But to be honest, if it is all or nothing now, I don't see much point in starting to rest players. Um, you've got to really go for it now, I suppose, don't you? So... Um, I'd probably say just the one change for me. Samo in for Paulson. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I'm actually going to go... I think Mitch McGovern yeah. will be fit for this week. Um, and I think he'll come straight in. So I'm going to go Petrovsky, Seedon, and McGovern in for Pitonet. And oh, the other one's a tough one. I, I don't know... I don't know if they can draw... I don't know. Probably is Polson. I'd like to see Polson stay in for another week, though. I actually think... I actually think if I was the coach, I'd probably just go McGovern for Pitonet because you don't need two Ruckman against GWS. Mumford and Jacobs are both pretty ordinary, with all due respect. So, yeah, for mine, I'm going to go just McGovern in for Pitonet. But I would like SPS to come back in. I just don't know who goes out, really. So My only, my only fear is are we throwing TDK to the Wolves against well, someone like a Mumford? He likes to... He likes to you know, bully and throw his weight yeah. around. Don't want him to whack into a young fella and hurt him. I don't know, but maybe I'm just fearing the worst. He hurt Murphy last year. Well, my well, it's a fair point, but my thing here with that situation is, it's the perfect opportunity to let DeConning be the number one ruckman for the majority of the game and assert his authority because you got to back him in as well. He's a he's still a big boy. He'd probably be taller than uh, Mumford. Yep, and I think. We need Levi back involved. We need him to get involved again, and I don't think him playing deep forward uh, without without you know pinch hitting in the ruckman is doing in the ruck is doing him any favors because he likes getting involved around the ground, and that's where he's good. So I want Levi back around the stoppages. To be honest, yeah, I, no, I do agree. I think if McGovern's fit, Pitonet's the one that makes way just on team balance. I didn't think Pitonet was that bad today, just but just on team balance, I think he's he might be the one that falls out. And then I wouldn't... I'm not that keen to rush Petrovsky's seed and straight back in, Same. to be honest. I'm not that keen on it. I'd almost be more inclined to throw Matt Kennedy back in or a David Cunningham first. Yeah, Cunners is probably the one as well. He's, I think Cunningham's probably due to come back in. But who goes out? I'm not... I, 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 I'm not against the Cunners idea. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I just think... I, I'm not sure who makes way, though. It's a really tough one. I, I, I They're not going to leave Dow in for a week. They're not going to leave Paulson in for a week. Well, they, they may. Paulson's probably the one to go out. Paul, yeah, and, and it might it, it might just be a case with Josh Honey. It's like first, you know, last in, first out. Yeah. And it, it might just be a case of that with Cam Paulson. But oh, I think it'd be I, I think it'd be stiff to bring Petrovsky Seedon in straight for Paulson because I, I think you guys are. Yeah, no, cause I was just going to say in terms of like Paulson, in terms of Paulson's role in the team, you could see what he was trying to do today. Yeah. And it was just like, be bold. No, it was play that way. And I don't know. It'll, it'll be a very interesting one at team selection on Wednesday night. It will be. It will I be. Feel that that's probably it for him. Yep, I agree. So, it'll, as you said, it'll be, probably would be harsh. He wasn't the worst on the ground today. He tried. Um, was it there? No, but he had a lot of mates that, you know, tried and probably failed today. Um, but, yeah, if that was the sort of performance to end his career on, um, he'd probably feel a bit stiff considering, you know, he had a handful of guys around him who weren't great either. Yep, I, actually I, think, agree. I actually think if Carlton, and I mean, look, it's, you know, still four or five weeks to go, but I think if Carlton do drop Paulson and that's the last we see of him and he's, you know, not offered another contract, I think he'll get teams, you know, contacting his oh, man. I, 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 just think, think I just think when you've been playing, when you're playing in a brand new position to only last a week to kind of fight for your life might be a, I don't know, yeah. a bit stiff. I think it's very stiff. and Because, and look, I, I hate to bring people like this up, but, like, you know, we gave, like, you know, Matthew Watson more than a week in his, you know, new position where he was yeah. playing for his life or even, you know, like Liam Jones. I know he was really good in his first game down back against GWS. But I just think, you know, when you're playing in a brand new position like that and you're literally, the, the difference between playing well or not is getting a new contract, I think an extra week's probably justified. But I, I could see that going either way. I really could. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Some brilliant insight. We absolutely love the work you do with the cheer squad. And as I said in the intro, the very best cheer squad in the league. I don't think it's even close, to be honest. I, no competition. Yeah, as, as a Carlton supporter, we really appreciate everything you do to really represent our fan base and, you know, lead from the from the front. So we really appreciate it. We love the work you do, and we look forward to having you back on again very soon. Thank you so much, Jens, for having me, and a massive thank you to you guys as well. Um, not only you guys, but so many of those that are creating cult and content, so many shows and podcasts going on this year, especially at a time where those of us in Victoria can't get to games. 
um, keeping fans engaged, keeping fans interested. And that interaction with fans is so important, especially at a time like now. Um, so the work you're doing is actually a community service in my mind. So really big fan of you guys and the podcast you've created. And, you know, it's only onwards and upwards from here for you guys. We appreciate that. Yeah, Thanks. we really do. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. And we definitely look forward to having you back on soon. Cheers, boys. Have a good one. Nick Wishart there, the cheer squad. Gee, they they do good things. and They've they, got a really good presence on social media as well. It's not just that. Like, they're always creating initiatives. There's always giveaways. There's always fan engagement, interaction. They are opening any fans with open arms. And, yeah, I mean, I love it. I love the cheer squad. Yep. Bolts, we're not going to do a Q&A this week as we usually do just because we've got a list analysis the second part of our list analysis dropping within the next 48 hours to keep your eyes peeled on our socials and on our podcast platforms, whether you're on Apple, Spotify, Google, CastBox, whatever you listen through, make sure to keep your eyes peeled. The next 48 hours, our mid-season list analysis with Jason Scandizzo will be dropping and we will be doing another episode after Thursday night's match against GWS. So a lot of content from us, especially with our episode with Dale Amos. We thought we'll give the Q&A a rest just for one week, but don't worry, you'll get your chance after we play the Giants. Once again, if you haven't listened yet, make sure to listen to our episode with Dale Amos. He provided some brilliant insight, the backline coach of the Carlton Footy Club, and it was an absolute honor to have him on the Blues Footy Podcast. Bolt, another week... Another edition of the show in the books. We'll be back to do it all again after our match against the Giants. Blues, I know it's it's a it's a tough one to keep your head up after that performance, but putting things into perspective, 2020, the season in itself, has been a tick for mine. It's not done yet. There's still four matches to go for us. But I think if you're looking at it, take a step back. Just take a step away from today's game alone. It's been a pretty good year so far. Yeah, no, it has. And yeah, disappointing result, but we go again Thursday night. We do. We go again Thursday night. An opportunity for the boys to really rectify what happened today. And I think they'll be they'll be really looking forward to it and just eager to get out there and rectify today's performance. Blue Baggers, have a great week. List analysis, next 48 hours. You can go back and listen to our episode with Dale Amos. We appreciate you tuning in and all the support we're getting. And for another week, go the Blues. They've been playing against the famous old dark blue.